If you will turn with me to uh, the book of Judges, chapter 5. Let's stand as we read uh, this primary verse together, and then we'll look at chapter 4 and see what led up to this. But uh, chapter 5 and verse 7. I want to title this message, remember we started a series called The Call, so we were looking at a specific calling on moms today, um, to arise a mother in Israel, to arise a mother in Israel. Look what verse 7 says in chapter 5, it says the villages, and this is by the way in Deborah's song, we're talking about Deborah here, this is a celebration, villages were deserted, they were deserted in Israel until I, Deborah, I arose a mother in Israel. Father, I pray this morning that you would speak to us through your word and take these words of Deborah and instill courage, not only in mothers this morning, but in every one of us, that we might be the people of God you've called us to be. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. You know, the three sons were trying to outdo each other for Mother's Day gifts one time. And the uh, sons were getting older and their mom was getting way on up in, in years. And so, still trying to outdo each other, one of the sons actually broke down, bought mom a big house. Said, Mom, for Mother's Day, I just want you to know I bought you a big house. And the other son had tried to compete with that bought her a brand new car. A car that many of us would dream to have. The third son said, I've got something better than that. You know how mom loves the Bible. Well, I bought a parrot. And I had 100 monks working with this parrot for the past year. Teaching this parrot to memorize the whole Bible and to be able to repeat whatever excerpt from the Bible that mom wanted to hear. All she had to do was mention a reference to get it started and the parrot would quote the Scriptures. So in this competition of giving these gifts to mom, a few months later, mom called back or was writing thank you notes and said to the son who gave the house, said, I don't know why you gave me this house. I mean, I can only use one room in the house. I don't get around good. I can't get up and down stairs. You gave me this big house. And, and, and it's just kind of collecting dust. It's dirty. I'm expected to be the one to clean it. I don't know why you gave me this big old house. And she wrote a thank you note to the other son and said, I don't know why you gave me a car. You know I don't drive anymore. I don't feel like driving. I don't see as well as I used to see. And you gave me a car. It was, it was just useless. To the third son who gave the parent, she said, Son, I want you to know you're the only one who blessed me. You blessed me with a gift that I could use something that was very practical. And I want you to know that was the best tasting chicken I've ever had in my life. <laughs> Some moms can be tough on us, can't they? You know, we've got to be careful about mischaracterizing feminine qualities on Mother's Day. Sometimes um, we, we might not see the tough interior because of the beautiful and sweet exterior. A little girl walked into a pet store and she was a, a, a cute little girl tiptoeing over the counter looking for who was working in the pet store and she said, um, finally when the, the storekeeper looked at her, she said, what can I do for you? 
She said, I want a bunny. Need to buy a bunny today. And the storekeeper said, that's great, young lady. You, you think you would like, a, we've got a brown bunny and we've got a white bunny. Which one do you think you would want? And she goes, it doesn't really matter. My boa constrictor doesn't care what color it is. Sometimes we've got to be careful about mischaracterizing that sweet exterior, right? Mobs can be tough. When we look at Deborah, we're going to see someone who said, I arose a mother in Israel. Deborah was one of those tough moms. Anybody got a tough mom here this morning? Some of you are like, I don't want to raise my hand. Uh, <laughs> tough moms. It's been said before that um, there are people in the world who watch what's happening. There are others who make things happen. Then there are others who stand around and ask, what just happened? Right? Sometimes men, we are in that third category. While moms are making things happen, we're asking, what just happened? Deborah arose a mother in Israel. What did she do? It was during the period of the judges. A time closing, judges closing tells us that there was a leadership void in Israel. There was no king in Israel in these days. This is after the conquest of the promised land. They've moved into this new territory. God was raising up judges to deliver Israel again and again. And in this time which we live today, where there's a leadership void. And by the way, men, we'll get to Father's Day. And I'll remind you that God has given you a great responsibility to lead like Jesus, and to love like Jesus. There's a calling on your life. So I'm not letting the men off the hook from their leadership responsibilities. But in a day and time we live today, much like the period of the judges, where there's often leadership void. We need women like Deborah. Mothers in Israel. What does that calling look like? We have to go back to chapter 4 and see the story that led to the song. The story that led to the song reminds us that first of all, this mother in Israel instills discerning advice when advice was desperately needed. Look back at chapter 4 beginning in verse 1. It says the Israelites, and here's that word, again. The Israelites again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord after Ehud had died. And see, God kept raising up judges to get Israel out of trouble, but they kept going back into getting back into the mess they got in. You see that cycle completed uh, again and again and again throughout Judges. They would get in trouble, God would raise up a judge, get them out of trouble, confront the nation, they would go through repentance, they would get things right for a little while, and then they would again get back into trouble again. So it says again, they did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. The Lord sold them into the hand of Jobin the king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. The commander of his forces was... Sisera, who lived in Harasheth of the nations. Then the Israelites cried out to the Lord because Jobin had 900 iron chariots and he harshly oppressed them for 20 years. No sin enslaves. Sin hurts. Sin breaks the hearts of mothers when they see their children caught up in Sinful bondage. God raises up a judge, a woman, to be a mother in Israel. And verse 4 calls her name Deborah. A woman who was a prophet and the wife of Lapidoth was 
judging Israel at the time. Deborah. You know the name Deborah means honeybee. Honeybee. We have some beekeepers in our church. And they can tell you something about honeybees. Honeybees bring a lot of sweetness. I appreciate when that sweetness is delivered to the pastor quite often. Uh, honeybees bring a lot of sweetness with the honey, but honeybees can also sting. And I think that's Deborah's character here. Name says a lot about who she was. Uh, she could be the sweet woman of God, but she could also light a fire under the men in her life. She's positioned, verse 5 says, as a judge. It was her custom to sit under the palm tree between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. And the Israelites went up to her for judgment. God had given her this gift of judgment, of discernment, to discern which was right and which was wrong. And then when we come to the end of the book of Judges, after so many judges, we see Israel's back again, just kind of doing what's right in their own eyes as we are doing often as a nation today. And so, in verse 6, she summoned Barak. Now, it's probably more correct to pronounce that name, Barak, but I don't want there to be any confusion here, so we'll just say Barak, right? Like most of us grew up saying. Son of Abinoam, and he was from Kadesh of Natali, and she said to him, Deborah said, hasn't the Lord, and this is worded as a question, by the way, hasn't the Lord, the God of Israel, commanded you, go deploy the troops on Mount Tabor, and take with you 10,000 men from the Naphtalites and the Zebulonites. Then I will lure Sisera, commander of Jabin's forces, his chariots, and his army at the Wadi Kishon to fight against you, and I will hand him over to you. What Deborah is saying here is not, I'm commanding you to do thus and such. She's saying, isn't this what God is saying? Are you missing what God is saying? Can't, can't we discern what God is saying right now? Isn't this, Barak, isn't this what God is saying to you? See, moms, sometimes we don't get it as men. Sometimes we're so busy doing our own things that we need a, a mom in Israel. We need a mom in our home. We need a mom in our life to say, are you sure you're hearing God in this matter? You know, a, a boy heard the news, a little boy heard the news one time, and he was just a little kindergarten kid, and he heard the news that his mom was going to have a baby. And he was very excited. He would go to school, he would tell the teacher, he would tell the other students, my mom is expecting she's going to have a baby. I remember being that kid in kindergarten telling everybody else, I remember when my brother was born, I went to everybody at school, and I even told the teacher, uh, I've got a little brother, I think his name is Tubby. Uh, had to correct it the next day. No, it's Toby, it's not Tubby. Um, he probably looked at me and said, you Tubby, I'm Toby. Um, well, this little boy was so excited that he was going to have, a, and he found out, certainly, it was going to be a, a little brother. He would go back to school, he said, we've got a little brother coming. We've got a little brother coming. I'm going to, I'm going to be a big brother. I'm going to have a little brother. And, and one day when mom really began to show and the baby began to kick, she let this child touch her stomach so that when this little brother rolled around, she could actually feel his movements and his kicks. And Then his teacher at school noticed he never came excited anymore. As a matter of fact, he didn't say anything 
at school anymore about having a little brother. All the excitement seemed to disappear. And so his teacher pointed out, hey, you, know, you, you haven't been so excited about the little brother. Can, can you give us a little update? The boy began to cry. And he said, I think my mommy ate him. <laughs> you know, some of us are, are still a little slow when we grow up. We, we don't always get it. We need a mom to explain a few things. A mom who knows the heart of God and the will of God. Deborah knew the heart of God and the will of God. She's explaining to Barak, the commander of the, the, the military forces, what he needed to be hearing from God and how he needed to be responding. You know, when others lack courage and obedience, or the ability to know what to do, we need a mom who is that honeybee, who can be sweet when she needs to be sweet, but can also light a fire under us when she needs to light a fire under us. Who will give good advice, Proverbs 22.6, who will bring up her children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, who will train her children according to the ways of the Lord so that when they are old they will not depart from it. We need that Proverbs 31 mom that Pastor Ben mentioned a moment ago. You know, in verse 11 of Proverbs 31, it says, her husband has full confidence in her. In verse 16, it says, she has the ability to consider a field and make the purchase. In verse 26, it says, she speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. We need mothers in Israel, mothers in home, who have faithful instruction, who say, listen, I am hearing from God, and you should be hearing from God. Now let's listen to see what he has to say. And men, husbands, sons, children, can I encourage you? Listen to what the women in your life have to say. Listen to what your mom has to say. She usually knows what she's talking about. Men, listen to what your wife has to say. God has placed her in your life for a reason. If we're going to be as men, even the spiritual leaders, the warriors God has called us to be. We need those women who can speak wisdom and encouragement and affirmation into our lives. So, she instills this discerning advice. But secondly, we see that she also is the one who initiates the decisive action. Now, that shouldn't always be the case. This is more of an indictment on Barak and, and other men in this particular context. But thank God when men become immobilized by fear, they can have women of faith in their lives to move them and to motivate them. Sometimes our problem isn't knowledge, but courage. And so we need women who are encouragers. Barak said to her in verse 8, If you will go with me, I will go. But if you will not go, I, I will not go. <laughs> I'm not going without you. That's what I told Tina when I said, I believe I'm being called to Georgia as a pastor. <laughs> I'll go if you'll go with me, but I'm not going without you. She said, I believe God's calling us to Georgia. She said, verse 9, I will go with you, but you will receive no honor on the road that you are about to take, because the Lord will sell Sisera into a woman's hand. And by the way, we're going to find out that later is not Deborah's hands. It's another woman. So Deborah got up and went with Barak to Kadesh. Barak summoned Zebulun and Naphtali to Kadesh. 10,000 men followed him, and Deborah also went with him. I believe that what he wanted was not so much he had to have that prophetess, that judge, that warrior. 
But he needed that mother in Israel. He wanted to know that the presence of God was with him. And Deborah brought that about. She walked closely with God. She heard the voice of God. And her presence represented the presence of God. Their godliness, a woman's godliness can embolden the men around her. Say that again. A woman's godliness can embolden the men around her. So in the immortal words, ladies of Patsy Cline, stand by your man, right? Stand, stand by your man and embolden him to do what God would have him to do. Encourage him to do. Now, now keep in mind, verse 11, we're going to point this out. There's a fellow by the name of Abair the Kenite, who moved away from the Kenites, the son of Hobab, Moses' father-in-law, pitched his tent beside the oak tree in Zananim, which was near Kadesh. So this guy, what Abair is kind of doing, he's trying to, trying to be in a safe place, in a sacred place, and, and not really be at odds with either side here in this battle. So I just want you to kind of to remember that. And then in verses 12 and 13, we see it's like Deborah has said, Sisera, if we can put it in modern vernacular, she would be saying, Sisera Hussein bin Laden is on the move. <laughs> this is one fierce, wicked general who has, as we can see at the end of Deborah's song, bad intentions even for the ladies with all the atrocities that would have been committed in wiping out the men the things that they took the women to do and to be involved in would have been utterly despicable. Been completely an abomination. And so Sisera, this wicked leader, is on the move. So what does Deborah say in verse 14? When you get to chapter 4 and verse 14, and I like to hear it from various translations, but it says, Then Deborah said to Barak, Move on, for this day the Lord has handed Sisera over to you. Hasn't the Lord gone before you? So Barak came down from Mount Tabor with 10,000 men following him. He was ready because Deborah said it was time. And she encouraged him. She initiated decisive action in his life. Men, rather than complaining that your wife tries to spur you into action from time to time, be grateful that you have a woman in your life Children, be grateful you have a mother in your life. When you become lethargic, when you become apathetic, be grateful that she's there in your life to spur you into action and spur you into motion. We need to thank God for women like that in our lives. So she says, move on. Other translations, some that you might have this morning, put it this way. Up! Get ready. Go. Arise. I like this one. Spring into action. And to be sure we covered all the translations I even read one this week that said Levantate. She was saying, let's get after it. Now if there's a man, a husband, a son here who's grateful that you've got a mom or a wife who will spur you into action, can you just say amen? Amen. That wasn't enough. <laughs> we need to be grateful that she initiates decisive action. She doesn't just cheer him on. She spurs him on. You know the difference, forgive me uh, young ladies that are cheerleaders, but you know the difference between a mom in the stands at a football game and a cheerleader on the field? 
Some of you are like, yeah. You know the difference between a mom and the stands? This isn't, this isn't a joke. I mean, I've been there. I've, I've watched this on many occasions. There's a big difference. See, cheerleaders learn a lot of cheers and they're cheering them on and all that. And they learn the cheers, they learn the choreography, they learn the motions, whatever it is, and, and, and they have the chance. But they do not hold a candle to the mom in the stands. I mean, it's not nowhere even close. First of all, the mom in the stands knows what's going on in the game. She's, uh, no offense to your leader, sorry. Y'all, y'all can throw stuff at me later. But I'm telling you, mom knows what's going on. And she knows when her boy ain't doing right. And she knows when he needs to get after it. And she's usually louder than the cheerleaders. Screaming at her boy or screaming at the coach or screaming at the refs. Am I right? She's trying to spur him into action. That's what Deborah was like. She was saying, it's time to go. It's time to move. Listen, a a Deborah in your life knows when it's high time to get the job done. Be grateful for that. She knows when it's time to study harder and Kent said, Amen. Along with all the other students. She knows when it's time to avoid the advances of the opposite sex. And so listen to her warnings. She knows when it's time to quit procrastinating husbands. And I said, Amen. Go on. That youth retreat, she says. Take time for that mission trip. Repent of that sin in your life. Thank God for Deborah's. She's concerned about the call. See, Deborah's as concerned about the call on Barak's life as she is her own. And a godly mother in your life is concerned, is concerned about the call on your life as she is her own. She prays. And she shares and models the love of Christ. Jesus who laid down His life on a cross so that we might have life is often exemplified in a mother's love. The fact that she's initiating decisive action. And we read about another brave woman in the same passage, and I don't want to brush past what happens here. And so let's just read the rest of the chapter. Meanwhile, Sisera had fled on foot to the tent of Jael. The wife of Abair. Remember that. Remember Abair? He kind of went away. He's looking for safe territory. This was sacred ground. Because there was peace between Job and king of Hazor, the family of Abair the Kenite. He was still trying to please everyone. Jael went out to meet Sisera and said to him, Come in, my lord. Come in. Don't be afraid. So he went into the tent. Now, by this time, he's been running. He's exhausted from war. He has been in pursuit. He is completely about wiped out physically. So he went into her tent. She covered him with a rug. He said to her, please give me a little water to drink for I am thirsty. She opened a container of milk, gave him a drink. Milk helps you sleep, by the way. She's being crafty. She covered him again. Then he said to her, stand at the entrance of the tent. If a man comes and asks you, is there a man here? Say no. While he was sleeping from exhaustion, Listen to this. I think this, this is one of the most incredible verses in all of Scripture. Abair's wife, Jael, took a tent peg. Now, a tent peg in a, a wilderness, a desert type area would have had, you know, we know that this was uh, in the early stages of the Iron Age. Iron chariots were available, so it would have to be a strong, sharp 
tent peg, much like a large nail. She took a tent peg, grabbed a hammer, and went silently to Sisera. She hammered the peg into his temple and drove it into the ground. And the understatement of the chapter is, and he died. This sweet lady dealt ruthlessly with the enemy who would have brought harm to whatever women he could have come across. See, I think even Jael in this passage shows us a Deborah-type spirit who is able to say, not in my house. What did she deal, do with the enemy? She dealt ruthlessly with the enemy. Under the new covenant of grace, we know that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. And we need moms who will take the spiritual tent pegs and put them to the temple of those sinful attacks and hammer them to the floor and say, not in my house. That's not going to be tolerated in my house. That's just a little excerpt. Jael. That's thrown into this. Barak arrived in verse 22 in pursuit of Sisera. Jael went out to greet him. Come, I'll show you the man you're looking for. <laughs> Nail him with a tent peg to the floor, through his temple. That day, verse 23 says, God subdued Jabin, king of Canaan, before the Israelites. The power of the Israelites continued to increase against Jabin, king of Canaan, until they destroyed him. She initiated decisive action that led to a decisive victory. We need moms who will be these kind of Deborahs. Then how did she respond? I want to close with this thought. She inspires divine adoration. She inspires divine adoration. In chapter 5, we have the song of Deborah and Barak joins the song, but the song of Deborah that sings the praises of God for how God has worked. In verse 3, we see her breaking into praise. Listen, kings. Pay attention, princes. I will sing to the Lord. I will sing praise to the Lord God of Israel. She was not trying to take credit for all of these things herself. She wasn't saying, listen, when there's not a man who will rise up, a woman's always available to get the job done. She was singing praises to God, a woman of God, a Deborah, a mother in Israel initiates decisive action. Verse 7, she could have said, uh, uh-huh, I was a prophetess. You heard me, I was the warrior princess. I'm Deborah, I'm the judge. That's not what she said. She said what I think gives motherhood a great compliment. She said, I arose a mother. I arose a mother in Israel to instill the advice to listen to the voice of God, to initiate decisive action. I encouraged the men in my life to do what God was calling them to do. Mother in Israel. She pointed to God first. Then she honored all of the others in the rest of the song. But in verse 9, she says, My heart is with the leaders of Israel, with the volunteers of the people. Praise the Lord. Verse 11, she says, Let them tell the righteous acts of the Lord. 
Again, she gave honor to all those who were involved, but all the praise went to God. Verse 31, the song closes like this, Lord, may all your enemies perish as Sisera did, but may those who love Him be like the rising of the sun in its streams. Moms, thank you for being like the rising of the sun in its streams. But let's not miss the phrase after the song. One one more sentence. One more phrase after this song of praise. And the land was peaceful for 40 years. The land was peaceful for 40 years. Did they continue in this cycle again and again and again? Yes. They did continue in the cycle. But, the next generation would be able to grow up with peace. The next generation grew up with peace. And God used the actions of this brave woman of God. James Hewitt tells the story of Robert Ingersoll. Robert Ingersoll was a politician, an orator. He was called the great agnostic of his day. After the Civil War and other things that he observed, he had come to the conclusion that if there is a God, then God's not involved, God doesn't care. So he had basically decided that all he had seen in, in, in the Civil War and other things that he experienced in, in politics, God must not be real. God, he, he was just called this great agnostic, great orator. People would drive for miles to hear him speak. And two college buddies went to hear Robert Ingersoll speak. After he spoke, they were leaving, and one of the buddies said, he sure knocked the props out from under Christianity, didn't he? And the other college student said, no. He didn't. Because what Mr. Ingersoll could not do was he could not explain my mother's life. And as long as he cannot explain my mother's life, I'll stand by my mother's faith. Thanks, moms, for being women of faith. Lighting a fire under us like a honeybee when we need it. Bow your heads with me.